Welcome to the Caring Souls Podcast. This is the place to be if you're a mother, a carer, a teacher, or practitioners of children with disabilities. This episode is a part two of our interview with Carolyn King. Carolyn King is an artist and a mother of beautiful woman with disability. She is the founding director and teaching artist at Heart to Hand Studio. She is an artist in residence at Miles Exploratory Learning Center and a teaching artist at Tucson Medical Centers for Seniors. She is also the former director of education at the Tucson Museum of Art and Historic Block. She started printmaking at San Miguel de Allende Instituto Allende, GTO, Mexico, and Arts and Consciousness at John F. Kennedy University. So in this episode... Carolyn King, tell us or share with us how art can heal you as someone who is taking care of children with disability. And also, she shares how art can heal your child with disability. And also in this podcast, you will learn how to find your purpose and your God's calling through art. Enjoy and happy listening. Welcome to the Caring Souls Podcast. This is the place to be if you are a mother, a teacher, a carer, practitioner, or someone who is helping children with disabilities. Who wants to lessen your stress? Who wants to experience or find balance in your life? And you want to find meaning in what you do. So I am Dali Tampos Oxman. I am a special education teacher, a behavior analyst, and certified wellness coach well i'm curious carolyn um when you're working with kids who aren't uh, verbal and they don't really have any other way to express them do you find in their art that there's um emotional themes attached to it like do you see um maybe anger or frustration or or joy or like what what kind of emotions or, or do you see any emotions in in their art well, here comes another story, my dear. That's a great question. And so um, I'm going to tell a story that um, not completely answers that, but um, shines some light on it. So years and years ago, I started a, um, a small private arts center in Mexico for children primarily. And I had kids from all over the world. I lived in a very art kind of touristy town. One year, a, a woman called me in early June and she said, may I bring my six-year-old for you to evaluate to see if he can be part of your program? And I said, oh, don't be silly. Six-year-old, of course, no problem. And she said, no, no, no. This is a very special child. And I've heard that you have a special needs daughter. And that's why I, I called. And that's why I want to bring him. I said, fine. Okay. So it turns out this little boy was six years old, but had been sexually molested from the age of two to the age of about five. And so he was incredibly wounded on every level imaginable. And he was operating about the level of a two and a half or three-year-old. He was so regressed. He didn't speak. He wouldn't look at you. I and mean, he basically acted like he had autism. Well, anyway, the long and short of the story is I said, fine, bring him to me for a week or so, just me and him so that he can, I, I can see who he is and he can feel me and feel safe. So anyway, long and short of the story is he did fine for that week. So then I put him in a group when our summer program started, I put him in a group with much younger children, but it just wasn't right, you know? So I eventually put him with kids his age. And in the beginning of his art camp experience with us, he stayed with us for about, I think, four or five weeks. 
in the beginning, every single project we did, Candace, I'm going to cry now, was black. You know, I mean, no matter what we gave him, no matter what the theme was, no matter what we were doing, his paper was black. If it was paint or crayons or pencils or it didn't matter what it was, it was completely black. And I mean, you know, the teacher who was working with him, you know, I hired teachers and I was overseeing the project. I said to her, just let him do it, let him do it, let him do it. And so one day she came to me, tears streaming down her face. And she goes, Carolyn, Carolyn, you have to see this. And I was like, oh, here it comes. And our little guy who had done nothing but black from the depth of his horror had finally, after a month of love and care and visual surrounding, he had drawn a green grass and a blue sky and a big yellow sun. And of course, we all wept. We all wept. It was the breakthrough of the breakthroughs. And, you know, and after that, I have to tell you, this kid hung on his teacher like she was a jungle gym. He wouldn't let us even touch his chair when he first came. And after that incredible breakthrough, and for me, in terms of my lifelong commitment to the power and the efficacy of the visual, you know, that experience was the quintessential of my personal life of seeing the breakthrough. His spirit came through those materials because he was in an environment of love and trust. And, you know, I lost track with him. I mean, I did stay in contact with his grandma. It turns out it was his grandma who brought him to me. But I want to say that that summer was at least the beginning of his path to healing. And so in terms of your question of, you know, if somebody's not verbal, this kid wasn't verbal. This kid didn't speak a word to us almost all summer. I think he talked by the end of the time he was there. He didn't say much. But anyway, the point is, if a kid is nonverbal, like I had lots of nonverbal kids with autism, they did lots of stuff. And yes, the idea is, you know, just like sometimes a nonverbal person who has cognitive ability, you put them on a computer and they start, you know, they, they write, they poetry, they tell you all about it. I have had those experiences with the kids in the autism program that, you know, if, especially if you use collage and, you know, color, if you let them do just color, 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 let them pick whatever color, and then you hit them to the collage stuff, they'll pick and show you, you know, I mean, sometimes you know, kids are angry, they'll go for fire or they'll go for something, you know, a picture that's violent or, you know, so, so the answer to the question is absolutely, absolutely. You know, the body has its wisdom and I do believe in the efficacy of the psyche deep inside of us. And um, yeah. Wow. That's, that's an incredible story. (laughs) It's a weeper, man. I'm sorry. Beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Thank you. I mean, if I knew, I would have brought, I would have brought tissues. (laughs) You would have brought the Kleenex box. Sorry, I had no idea we were going to go there, dear. (laughs) Oh my goodness, it's just so beautiful and so deep. It's so deep. You know, a person like me, I, I always appreciated art, but I, I felt that I was, um, on the outside because I couldn't participate in it. So I didn't know its power, but hearing, (laughs) hearing you speak, I realize how powerful art is and it's, it connects you with yourself. And there's so many of us, especially carers and practitioners of the special needs community. We are so disconnected from ourselves because we- Well, because we're giving, giving, giving. Exactly. And so, um, I don't know. I I know you gave some really good tips, but um, how would you, or what advice would you give to a carer who is at their, their wits end and they're really tired and they're trying art 
and everything is kind of like with the the child that you help coming up dark and angry and they are scared to go deeper into that because they are they're afraid of what they're going to see inside what would you say to that person well actually that's an important question because in a certain sense what we're talking about here is the borderline of art therapy because you know sometimes when you go to an actual art therapist the whole point of going to an art therapist is bring that stuff up in a safe container so basically, I guess what I would say would be um, that one of the reasons I love the idea of a visual journal is a visual journal is also a place to write. And so in other words, on your images, you can incorporate writing. I would be sure to have, you know, some white Sharpie. I mean, have some, in other words, have, have materials that you can image with, explore with, but also write with, because for most of us, writing is a much more comfortable, um, expressive tool. I mean, if, if you're not comfortable with the visual art stuff, especially what happens is most of us end up with a little inner critic sitting on our left shoulder going, oh my God, that's terrible, or how ugly, or you can't do that, or whatever. It, it's, it's incredibly important, especially if you're a carer and you're super burned out, to remember that you're giving yourself permission to work with, with materials from the place of love. You know, you, you love yourself enough to say, I'm going to let myself be a five-year-old and just mess around even if it's just like finger pain. Amen. You know? The bottom line is you could, you could basically go into your journal and be burned out and realize that a particular color is making you so happy. It's like, you know, turquoise and blue, I'm so happy. And then you could actually take your turquoise and blue mush that you just made and go, huh, what do I need? What, how, how can I bring happy into my day? This color is making me happy. Oh, maybe some turquoise fingernail polish or, you know, I mean, you know, the point of the matter is, is that I think of the visual journal as a way to talk to yourself. It's a conversation. And so you start with the collection because the collection, in essence, it's like your insides are doing the collecting. You're not collecting from your head. You're just going with what feels good. So you make your collection, and then you go, okay, collection, talk to me. And, you know, like what I found when I did my first collection, by the way, this is not my idea. This project was given to me by one of my teachers at the Chicago Art Institute when I was about 24 years old, incredible woman. And, um, you know, a whole like years and years of my personal artistic inquiry came from my visual journal. Because what I did was I cut up images out of fashion magazines and I didn't, there was no head. It was basically just draped fabric. And I was in a place in my life where I needed to be nurtured. And so I kept creating these like cocoony collage things that were just draped fabric. And it was like, that helped me understand that I needed to heal and take care of myself in a way that I had been overriding. I'd been ignoring the fact that I was in need of nurturing, you know? So um, does that answer that question at all, honey? I feel like I go off on tangents. <laughs> no, that answered it completely. It's just, it's so amazing to see how you can speak to yourself and how you can listen to yourself through art. Right. I would have never even right? thought that you was- You know why, Candace? If you think about it, the problem is, is that most of us are raised with the notion that an artist, you know, shows their work in galleries or museums, and that's so outer. I mean, the point of the matter is visual art that moves us came from the artist's connection to their inner self. And so the whole idea of let's connect with our inner selves and, and, and learn about ourselves and fill our buckets up and heal and share, but it's got to start with, you know, the relationship between you and you. You know, I mean, later you might have stuff that's gorgeous that you want to share with other people, but maybe you won't. Maybe it'll just be private. Maybe it'll be your own little journal where you write stuff to yourself. It's kind of like 
it's almost like you know the inner child work where where there's been a lot in the culture now about reparenting our own inner children if we've been hurt or neglected somehow. This is almost a version of that. It's like you want to find the part of yourself that's like dying to play with color, dying to play with pattern, dying to play with figures. It's like you don't have to be a skilled drawer person to do any of that stuff. You could do it all with collage if you wanted to. I mean, the bottom line is collage is now a big, huge thing out in the world, but it doesn't have to be for out in the world. It can just be for nurturing you. And I feel like, you know, that's the conversation we're having is how can we as carers, I mean, you guys, I'm, I'm not 24 seven, although I just did 24 seven with my daughter because we had a three week break. 24-7 with my daughter. Oh my God, I was crazy <laughs> exhausted. Exhausted. I mean, you, you you don't realize how much you need your helpers until you ain't got none, you know? <laughs> True, yeah. And then you just do it like, and I, and, and as she mentioned, the art too, Carmen, because I personally heal. Like it's part of my healing process. It is artwork. Absolutely. And I'm just, like, as you mentioned earlier, it's just like so amazing how, individuals like you who are experts in looking at art who can really tell what's actually going on because when I did my art too when they asked me like draw yourself or something I draw myself or and then and then that my therapist just look at my art which is like really good as like oh why is it that your art is like this and just asking me a lot of questions based on my drawing and just came out like those things that I've been hiding for so long Right. And it's just amazing how you, like this expert of art, just can just see what's going on and it really helped you. Well, like, but it the helped thing, me. But what I want to say, Dolly, is that I'm a weird art person because of the thing about um, my journey into art started from a place of um, wounding. Mm. I feel like a lot of people don't acknowledge that they are pulled to wanting to do art because they've got a wound. I mean, you know, um, I also was raised in a very visually stimulating environment, but, um, and actually I'll just share that with you. My mom was a completely frustrated painter. Her parents wouldn't let her go to art school. And so she wasn't supportive at all of me doing art. I had no support from my parents about doing art. I had to leave home to, to embark on this path. But the thing is, is that I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people out in the art world who are out there for their egos. And that's just not the place that I come from. I mean, for me personally, I was blessed by a wound that brought me to a path of spirit and creativity intertwining like a helix of a DNA. And I feel like that was a long time. I mean, you guys, that was 50 years ago. Nobody was talking about this stuff then. But, you know, what's happened in the 50 years culturally that I've been on this path is, you know, there's been more and more understanding of um, the nature of of spirit and the nature of healing and the nature of holism. I mean, the whole the holistic health movement, in a sense, coupled with ecology movement and even coupled with the women's movement, has brought these threads of you know beingness into a tapestry. And and not all art people look at it the way I'm talking about it. I mean, I stand on this weird chessboard square of creativity is primarily about healing. That's why it's here. And I mean, most art people don't would think I'm nuts, you know? <laughs> I mean, you go into a museum. Well, this is the thing that's so cool. These days, you open an art magazine or you go into a museum and more and more and more people are actually speaking from this point of view. But they certainly weren't when I was a kid. You know, there, you know, nobody was looking at the biography of people and saying, 
what was the impetus? I mean, you if you take this idea and go, what was the impetus? What was the wound that catalyzed the person into their path? I mean, look at Frida Kahlo, look at Van Gogh, look at, you know, even Kandinsky himself. I mean, you know, there's lots and lots of famous people who had something going on. Keith Haring, who I just mentioned, who his stuff is basically stick figures. His wound was his gayness. He was so, you know, belittled and so troubled by what was going on in the world of of um, the gay community before there was such a thing as gay community, that he developed a whole iconography that he could be shared with the public through muralism. I mean, you know, it, it's just really interesting to think about, we all have challenges. I feel like God gives us challenges for our growth. So if we can take our challenges and go, well, what can I do with this that will be of service to me and others? Because that's the piece. How am I of service to other people through my artwork? You know? Yeah. It's another piece. Wow. Oh my God, and, so and the answer to how am I of service to other people for caregivers is if I'm a better person because I'm taking care of myself through creativity so I have more patience and love to give the people I'm caring for, that's enough reason to make art. It's not about selling it or getting exterior validation. It's about how do I nurture myself? Can visual art be a place that can nourish me so that I can keep giving in this path that I've been chosen for it's kind of the way oh I'm my god it. that's beautiful it's an ex another way of expressing yourself if you don't can speak it speak it through art exactly sure well you know i mean i, I love the idea if you think about the circle it's like well let's see i nourish myself through my art and there and then my, what the fruits of my labor sometimes nourish somebody else actually i'll share with this i'm going to share this what came out this morning for me Oh wow! Oh my now, I can't really tell you. Who, I can't tell you who this is and what's going on with her, but here she is. And you know, um, I'll tell you where she came from. I'm just going to show you one more. Is um, so beautiful! Oh my goodness! Gorgeous. <laughs> she reminds me of my daughter, <laughs> like when my daughter's older. <laughs> let's see. I wish I could figure out how to see. Wow. So this piece, oh it's hard to see it. Can you see the hands? Yes. yes. Oh. Sorry, I've got it all wiggly. So I've been working on a series of pieces that are all about Mother Nature's energies threading through our lives. Mm -hmm. And where it came from was that this year with the COVID year, when we all got so shut down, Yes. well, I started spending a lot more time in nature with my daughter because you couldn't go places, you couldn't be with people. So it, I, mean, I, I think of many, many gifts that COVID has given me personally and all of us. And this for me is definitely one of them. So when I started doing these pieces about nature and hands and threading, it's like, oh, well, you know, well, uh, my guess is that what's happened is, is that this piece, which is also obviously about a woman in nature, I don't know why she's so incredibly serious, but she looks rather serious, doesn't she? But anyway, I, you know, what happens for me is I have lots of skills because I've been practicing for 40 years, for God's sake. But the bottom line is, I also do what you guys, what I'm urging you to do, which is I just go in and I let what I'm attracted to, to speak to me. And then I just follow up. I kind of do like service to the image. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know you girl. I don't know who you are or what you're doing here, but hi, you know? So, <laughs> so oh my goodness. I'm so inspired right now. <laughs> I know. Well, I feel like we're going to have to do a Zoom group, girls, because we're all far away. But I mean, I could definitely do it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there'll be other people who want to do it. But I think it would be really cool to do a, 
you know, a, a little art for caregivers, even if it's only a half an hour, it doesn't have to be a big deal, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I... yes, yes. So we'll plant <laughs> that seed and see where that goes. We'll see if your if your viewers or anybody else wants to do it. And if not, we're just us, no? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to invite. So maybe we are going to be, so when are we going to do this so we can start inviting people and, and then those Well, we, the, the bottom line is, I mean, you know, there's two ways to do it. One way is for me to just record some little things. I personally prefer Zoom because it's more interactive and more fun. But, you know, one thing that we could possibly do is I could simply record some little sticks, you know, little 10, 15 minute ones that we could upload on the Facebook group. And then people can just do it when they feel like it. And the only thing about oh, that, that would be, oh, that will be so amazing, Caroline. That will be, that will be amazing because. I mean, because then in the Facebook group, people could share what they've done. I mean, what I like about Zoom is we're all together. I mean, literally, I just did an entire small school Zoom art lessons in May. I had every kid in the school, you know, doing a Zoom uh, art, art lesson with me for basically for the end of school, kind of like Mother's Day. And the, the fun interactive part about that is that people can show their stuff and I can go, oh, that's so great. You know, I mean, encourage everybody. The, the only problem I see with the little 10 minute videos is then people don't get my ridiculous cheerleading because those inner voices that go, oh God, I don't know what I'm doing or I can't do this or what? I mean, you know, if it's not interactive, then sometimes people get stuck. Because so, sometimes when you're done with your drawing, you will just say like, what is this? Right. <laughs> well, what I try to do in terms of dialogue is I'll go, hi, welcome. What are you here for? What What's the lesson? What, what, what you know? <laughs> what do you want to tell me? Because the thing is, is that, you know, when you do the visual journal of start collecting stuff, as I say, what you're going to find, and you're going to be blown away, I guarantee it, you're going to be blown away by the repetition. You're going to be like, oh, God, I'm always attracted to eh, whatever it is. Or a bunch of roses will show up, or a certain color combination will show up, or you know something will show up, and and then so then what you want to do is you want to invite that something and go so, what are you here for, and what should I do with you, you know? So anyway, it's very I'm just like thinking, Caroline, would it would it be possibly to that what is attracted? Because I'm just like figuring out thinking about like before, could it be possible that what you're attracted right now when we collect those things could be different, like? after 10 years. Actually, that's amazing you asked me that because honey, I just went to central Mexico where I had boxes and portfolio in storage for 20 years. Wow. 20 years. And you know, my friend finally went, oh, Carolyn, uh, can you do something with this stuff? So we went down there and my goal was to go through the stuff. And you know what I found, Dolly? OMG, the stuff I had collected 20 years ago is the same stuff I'm still working with now. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying this thing about the thumbprint. I mean, you might think, well, you know, what I'm attracted to will change as I grow and change, but I feel like there's an essence piece here. The essence oh my of God, what I'm so excited. Like right now, this is worth the six weeks. I would love to collect all those things that I find attractive. I mean, but I was blown away. And I, I remember saying to David, my friend, I was like, OMG. I'm still doing artwork that resembles this. As a matter of fact, the thing about this piece of this woman with the flowers, with the, you know, the cheese part of the background kind of thing, I have a piece I did when I was 19. Ladies, I'm going to be 68 years old. So we're talking, uh, what is that, almost 50 years ago? That actually is the precursor to this piece. I didn't have the skills at 19 that I have now, but I have a piece that's very related to this that I did at 19. So um, that's the other reason why I love the idea of doing a visual collection is 
you might prove me wrong. Your visual collection might change as things change in your life. Or you might find that certain threads kind of come throughout. Like, for instance, in my life, I know that I go through color cycles. So there was a period in my life where I was just mad about purples and fuchsia. And right now I'm in a phase where I'm like completely gobstruck by greens. It's like, well, I didn't used to like greens, but for some reason, I mean, you know, and you might go, oh, the chakras, you know, I was doing the purples when I was way up in my head or something. I don't know. But anyway, the point is, is that what I like about this notion is you give yourself permission to have a conversation with the part of yourself that lives in the visual. Because oh I don't care who you are, everybody has that part. It's just an unacknowledged. I mean, think about it. We're bombarded by the visual. Oh my God, we're bombarded by the visual. We might have well this, we're going to start collecting and then we're going to share our collection. Yes, yes. I'm going to start. And then we're like trying to see like, what is that? What, what does it mean to us? Like, right. you know? And how does it change if it changes? Because I got to tell you, I was kind of like, does this mean I'm stagnant? Why am I like attracted to the same stuff now that I was, you know, 20 or 30 years ago? And it's like, no, I feel like it's, to me, it's about essence. I feel like we all come with a purpose. I feel like God puts us here for a reason. And it's like, you know, we, we have a thumbprint of fingerprints that don't change. You know, the essence of what we look like changes as we age, but we know it's us. And it's like, yeah, there's an essence to each of us. And in a sense, I feel like, you know, the whole notion that God is one and we're all a little sliver of God. Well, what little sliver are you? And how does that little sliver manifest? That's why I love art. It's like, oh, this is my sliver, you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry, I'm so goofy. I can't help it. No. Caroline, you just have so much like information like right now, and it really touches our spirit. And it's like Thank you. talking I'm... to us in our spirit. Yes. And I think this is one of the things that we have to pull that out from us to really express ourselves through art and seeing where we are i'm just like looking at now so maybe we can find more about god's calling in our lives through these things and and see how it is it's well, just, as I say, for me personally i'll just admit it i mean for me studio practice is prayer i go into the altered state where i open up and i ask god to guide me because I don't ever like decide up here, oh, now I'm going <laughs> to, I mean, I just don't work that way. And I feel like, well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that work from a photograph and want it to look realistic and blah, blah, blah. But, the, and that's fine. I don't, I have no, you know, um, criticism about anything, but I just know for myself, I mean, I sew, I, you know, I've been making clothes for my whole life. My grandma taught me to make clothes when I was like 12. And that was my first creative endeavor. And I just know that there's a particular state of being that we can cultivate where we're in partnership with God's grace and energy. And we can be in that state when we're caregiving, when we're parenting, when we're hiking, when we're in a studio, we can be in that aligned state with the creator, you know, pretty much anytime we choose. But the point is, is that studio practice is like, um, well, it's that, it's a practice. It allow, it's like meditating. It allows you to cultivate the state of being that can welcome that energy in. And you get something cool as a result as well. Before we are going to leave, um, do you have any tips? Like if there's, do you have any tips for carers and practitioners with special needs? Um, I guess the only tip that I would basically say that we've kind of touched on a little bit here is whatever we can do to ground ourselves and remind ourselves that we are doing 
um, how can I say this? Well, I feel like to bring one's spirit into the caregiving is the only way that it works. Mm. If you can't bring your love, your heart into caregiving, it ends up being automatic. Your patient's level gets completely screwed up. I mean, I just feel like one of the reasons why I love the idea of visual art is it's play and it's nourishment. When we nourish ourselves as caregivers, then we've got it to give to the people we're caring for. And that's no new news on any level, but you know, from my mouth to your hearts, I know you guys are living this. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Carolyn King mentioned about the importance of loving yourself and connecting with your inner self, especially for us carers and practitioners of children with disabilities. So if you are struggling to love yourself, join me in my self-love mastery program. This program will help you deepen your love for yourself. So you click the link on the description below. So remember, you cannot give what you don't have. If you don't feel love, it is hard for you to love others. If you don't feel understood, it is hard for you to understand others. So developing that in relationship with yourself, developing a love for yourself is one aspect that we need to develop as carers and practitioners of children with disabilities. So join me now. Click the link below and join the journey. Go into the journey of self-love mastery. God bless you and I will see you again in our next episode. And we are going to have a powerful, powerful guest. <laughs>